It's Wednesday, October 26th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager, from Motley Fool Stock Advisor, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Pro, Jeff Fisher. Guys, thanks for being here. Hello, hello. We've got earnings from Ford and Tupperware, a couple of listener emails, but first, Amazon's third quarter profit down 73%, and shares are falling this morning. Uh, Joe Mager, a lot to get into here. Um, Sales were up, but so were expenses. What's your take on Amazon's quarter? I think it was great, contrary to what analysts think. And this is a classic example of Wall Street once again punishing Amazon for investing for its future. Uh, right now, they're building out you know, capabilities on distribution, and people are worried about low margins on the new Kindles they're selling. But these are just classic razor, razor blade models where the Kindle is the razor, and they're happy to sell it to you basically at a cut rate price. Mm-hmm where they're going to make all their money on the back end selling the razor blades being the books. And you know now that they've got the fire that's a little more broad in terms of what it offers, so before you know it, you'll be purchasing all sorts of things on Amazon through the Kindle Fire. Uh, you know, To me, it's, it's a great little model, and I think the market's punishing them in the wrong way. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I, Joe is, is right on the money there. I mean, if you look at – I mean, Amazon is a low-margin business. I mean, historically, just as far as the eye can see, it's, they're – the low cost provider, so that's no surprise. I think that uh, you know when they're investing in their business the way they are. The other company that comes to mind is Google, which you know I've seen a couple of quarters come out where they you know they're investing heavily in the business. The market punishes them for that short term view, but the bottom line is you need to invest you know in order to, to be able to grow that footprint, and so that's what it, that's what Amazon's doing. So obviously, the Kindle Fire is sort of Amazon's answer to the iPad. Um, can Amazon and Apple both succeed? Is is there room for essentially two winners in the in the tablet space? What do you think, Jeff? Uh, definitely, especially at the different price points. Amazon's at one ninety nine. The iPad, as we know, is four to six hundred dollars or so. So at these two price points and di- different form factors, really, and different uses for the two products, I think there will be a large market for both, as the Kindle has already shown. Um, Joe, you never come in this studio without your iPad in front of you. What's it going to take for you to plunk down the money at the lower price point and buy a Kindle Fire tablet? Oh, it would take a lot because I'm kind of a mobile junkie and I like having the most fully featured device available. Also, you know, the iPad's great and I expect until I drop it and break it, it'll keep serving me well. And I'm sure that'll happen. Uh, But I do think you're going to see a lot like what we saw with mobile and Android, where you have a low-cost competitor come in that's maybe not as fully featured, but still perfectly adequate. I think a lot of people are going to look at these devices and be like, well, 500 for an iPad, which for most people isn't a realistic Christmas gift. I mean, you know, let's just face it. But then you're looking at $200 for a Kindle Fire, and that's definitely in the wheelhouse of most, you know, middle-income families in America and on the lower side. So... You know, I definitely think there's room for more than one winner here, just like in smartphones, but you're definitely going to see a lot of Kindle sold. So, if there's room for more than one winner, um, what about when it comes to the stocks over the next five years? Jason, Apple, Amazon, is there one you think that's better suited? Obviously, Apple's had an amazing run over the last decade. Over the next five years, yeah, I, I mean, I'll go ahead and preface this by saying I already uh, own Amazon shares, and I, I would I would pick Amazon here. The thing is, you know, we mentioned Amazon's the low cost provider. They they focus on that lower cost uh, 
you know market. Apple, on the other hand, is a very high margin provider. They focus on those higher price points. So, you know, one thing I think we're going to see over the course of the next five years or so, and you're seeing it now, just in Apple giving away iPhones. Just you know, if you sign a two-year contract, they're having to sort of play down to that lower price point level. And so, ultimately, what this is going to do, and I, I suspect over the course of the next few years, we're going to see some margin compression with Apple. And as an investor, obviously, that can play uh, play greatly into the stock price. For me, I think Amazon has more room to grow. They're used to playing that low margin game, and I'm going to keep those shares. Jeff, what do you think? Amazon is such an amazing story. It's a retailer at heart, but it's also a technology company, and it's merging the two and becoming more of a technology and a streaming company. But my worry with Amazon is when does the the bloom come off this rose? It's carried a high premium for years, Mm -hmm. and at heart, it is a low-margin retailer. And at some point, that margin, the multiple that Amazon has is going to compress. So I'd I'd go with Apple the next five years. Joe? Yeah, I think Jeff raises a good point. I want to say Amazon, but when you look at the prices on these, like the multiple people are paying uh, just on a price-to-earnings basis for Amazon is about four or five times higher than Apple. So even though I think Amazon's edges are sharper, and honestly, I think Amazon will continue kicking butt for longer than Apple, I still would probably go with Apple over, say, you know, five years. But I do love the Amazon story, and I think it's a great long-term play. I want to go back to something that Jeff said, because when you when you think about Amazon's competition, um, it really does have competition in two spaces. It has the um, electronic <laughs> competitors like Apple, um, even eBay. Um, it's also got the retail competitors. Walmart is very much a competitor. Um, uh, Liberty Interactive, which is uh, the parent company of QVC, um, they're a competitor as well. Um, if Amazon, if Jeff Bezos, the CEO, could just sort of wave a magic wand and make one of them disappear, who do you think he's picking, Jason? I think given the comparability of the two businesses, he would probably look to try to oust Walmart. You know, there's another low-margin, low-cost provider with a huge global footprint, and uh, you know, eBay, Amazon, uh, eBay, and Google, and uh, those are all just a little bit, uh, a little bit different, different business models. I think he'd try to get Walmart out of there. Jeff. Yeah, I agree with Walmart, and if not Walmart, then Apple, the leading music retailer in the country. Joe? I'm going to go with eBay. I think that eBay is basically trying to rip off Amazon's third-party model. Mm-hmm. So they've long been this you know, marketplace auction house. Well, now they're just trying to bring in more big-ticket retailers and become a little more fixed-price-centric and compete with Amazon more directly head-on. And you know, eBay is fully online. And I think that Walmart, while a formidable competitor clearly hasn't been able to get their stuff together on the back end on, you know, walmart.com. And while they could eventually, and I want to think that they will, because they have so much experience with logistics and their buying power is Mm -hmm. huge, they just haven't been able to get there. And Amazon's just been eating their lunch. Uh, Just to wrap up on Amazon, uh, obviously, at least in terms of the reaction on Wall Street, not a great third quarter. Over the next three to six months, um, what is something that uh, investors should be looking at to sort of gauge the health of Amazon. We'll just go down the line, Jason. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to just pay attention to the the success of the Kindle uh, sales. I mean, whether it be the seventy nine dollar you know e readers or the, the, the whole one hundred ninety nine dollar fires. I think it's all of them because ultimately, I mean, that's you know, Bezos even said like Kindle is not a tablet. The Kindle Fire is a service, and so that's the way he views this. The idea is to get these devices into people's hands and let them get into that Amazon universe. So the key is you just need to keep getting these devices into people's hands. Jeff? Yeah, and it's somewhat like the late 1990s now where you really want to keep an eye on net sales overall. They're up 44% this quarter. 
they'll be up strongly next quarter as, as well, of course. The holiday quarter. Yeah, as long as sales are growing at that kind of clip, we know Amazon in the future can reel back spending and will. But right now they're in this spending mode, so just keep an eye on the top line. Joe? You know, as a greedy value guy, I would love for them to turn in a terrible fourth quarter. And I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed because they are going to be investing heavily in the business and they're going to be selling a lot of low-margin Kindles. But again, I think that's a great long-term move. And I think over two to three years, you're going to see the fruits of that come out on the bottom line. But you know, next quarter could be tough on earnings. I think you're greedy for a lot of reasons. It's not just because you're a value investor. That's true. <laughs> Shares of Ford down 6% this morning. Sales rose for the third quarter, but profits down slightly. Uh, Jason, this is a company you watch closely. It's a recommendation. What would you make of the quarter? Ford is back. I mean, this is the 10th straight quarterly profit they recorded. The reason the stock is selling off today is because higher production costs are crimping margins, and their outlook is maybe less than uh, than what the market was hoping for. I mean, in all honesty, though, you look through that, that announcement, you look through the notes on the call. I mean, really, I do believe that Ford is back and I think that they have a lot to look forward to here in the coming really the coming you know the rest of this year the, the first half of next year you know they are they continue to pay down their debt they keep moving up you know their credit ratings uh, CFL Lewis Booth made the point that while initially they were you know considering waiting until they got their investment credit rating to pay a dividend now they're not necessarily going to wait for that so we know a dividend reinstatement is imminent Alan Mulally, you know, I think we he's the most on-message CEO out there. You know, we love him here, and uh, he's done a great job with the company. I, there's so many things to look forward to with Ford. I just, you know, it was a great quarter. Joe, what do you think of uh, the dividend piece of that? Is that, in your estimation, the best use of Ford's capital to reinstate that dividend? No, I think they're placating to their old investor base. I think the smarter thing either would be, one, share repurchases, because I think the shares are cheap and have a lot of upside, or two, just prepay down the debt load. I think we've pretty well seen that this industry is brutally cyclical. And, you know, people forget a couple of years ago, Ford was, I mean, they were on the brink and they were levered to the hilt. And I think at this point, you know, if I was a Ford investor, I would just feel better if they paid that down and then let's focus on returning cash. Jason, what do you yeah, think? I, mean, I agree with that to a certain extent. I mean, I think certainly one of the goals that Mullally laid out there when he first came in was to get that dividend back, but they were not going to do it hastily. And they've made the point that in doing it, it's going to be cautious. A slow and steady wins the race. They've done such a great job of paying down their debt to this point. You know, Joe's right. It is auto is is just brutally cyclical, and I mean, it can it can jump up and grab you at any time. But as long as they continue to focus on paying down that debt, like they've been doing, you know, I think that that getting that dividend back uh, reinstated, it's going to make a lot of investors happy. It's certainly going to open the stock up to more institutional watchers, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see it to see it spur the stock up. Uh, Joe um, Ford and GM. Is, is, do you have a preference in terms of the stock over the next few years? I can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to you. I am a shameless shill for General Motors. Uh, yeah, no, I think they're both great in the sense they'll, big, they'll benefit from the same big picture trends. One, U.S. light vehicle sales are going to boom over the next couple of years. I think people are really underestimating the amount of coil demand that we've got just waiting to come back online. People have been deferring car purchases, pushing it off, and that will come back, and both of them will benefit in a big way. Two, they both have a ton of operating leverage and financial leverage, so the profits are going to spring back even harder. But I prefer GM because, one, it's cheaper and two, I think the product cycle is further behind the curve than Ford's, but you're really going to see that come into play next year and the year after. And I think you're going to see 
I mean, honestly, I think GM is a solid double over a couple of years. It's a saucy one, but I'm a big fan. <laughs> Jason, what do you think? I would go with Ford, and I do agree with Joe. I think that as this, this cycle picks back up, GM and Ford both will benefit. They do have extremely diverse and wide-reaching product lines that cover the globe. Uh, Ford is a little bit head on the on the technology curve, and uh, you know I think that leadership in Alan Mulally is is superior. I would be extremely concerned if you know at the end of the day here Mulally felt like he had everything taken care of and decided to leave. That that would be obviously a big red flag. But as it stands, I'd go with Ford. Yeah, and you know a subtle thing that both of these guys are going to benefit from over the next couple quarters is that the Japanese automakers, so specifically Toyota being the big dog, but also Nissan and Honda. Uh, their costs are heavily in yen, which is really expensive. And for them right now, that is killing them and their ability to price competitively. So you're going to see them back off. God, I was going to say the gas pedal. It's a terrible pun. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe hit the brakes on discounting, which either is going to A, hurt their sales, or B, and this is the, the bigger thing, it's going to allow GM and Ford to kind of do the same and not do as much discounting. And in such a narrow margin business as this, that's really going to prop up the bottom lines of both these companies. And I wouldn't be surprised if they surprise. All right. A couple of listener emails to get to. You can always drop us an email, radio at fool.com. Uh, in response to our discussion the other day about Mattel buying Hit Entertainment, which is the parent company of Thomas the Tank Engine, uh, from Jamie Callahan. I have to say, as a father of two boys who have nominal interest in Thomas the Train, I was disappointed that you guys failed to mention that Alec Baldwin did the voice of Thomas for a while. I'm surprised my kids d- uh, didn't think my wife and I were watching Thomas when we were watching 30 Rock. The thought of Jack Donaghy as Thomas makes me smile. George Carlin, too, also uh, did the voice of uh, Thomas for a while. Thomas is awesome. George Harrison? Uh, Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr, sorry. Less awesome. Uh, (laughs) And in response to our discussion about Under Armour's earnings uh, from Cooper Huxtable, Under Armour is the uniform maker of the Wales national rugby team, so your eyes were not mistaken when watching the Rugby World Cup this year. Thank you, Coop, because... I mean, as an avid fan of the Rugby World Cup, uh, I, I did wonder about that, whether I was actually seeing the UA logo uh, uh, on Wales. Wales came in fourth, by the way, guys. I, know. I have it on DVD. Do you really? watch it again. Awesome. That's the more great. you know. Uh, finally, Tupperware's third quarter earnings down 74%, but Jeff, shares up slightly. Uh, what's, what's going on today? What's going on here? We all know Tupperware. It's 50 years old, and yet it's an emerging market growth story right now. Sales are booming, and... India and China and mm-hmm. Brazil and Malaysia and Singapore. And a lot of people may not know that, but it's a growth company. And what happened with this quarter is they simply had a non-cash impairment charge, which means they wrote down the value of one of the divisions that they had acquired in 2005 from Sierra Lee, a, a Nutrimetrics, a beauty division that Tupperware mm-hmm. owns. They, they see less value in it now, and there's a simple reason for that. The division isn't doing as well as Tupperware had hoped. So, but you take out that impairment charge of a relatively small thirty-six million, and the company did better than expected, or in line with expectations on sales and earnings overall this quarter. And this is a company that um, I think is a recommendation in in Motley Fool Pro. In Pro, that's right. Um, as uh, as someone who watches the company, uh, on some level, do you look at that cosmetics division and say, you know what, guys, just get rid of it and just focus on sort of the core. You know, uh, I, just the business? last the last couple of years, I've I've felt that way. They they put a new president into the beauty control division last quarter, so hopefully that'll start to turn things around. But but they acquired beauty control in two thousand, Nutrimetrics in two thousand five, and they've been laggards 
pretty much the whole time. The core business has remained strong, and that's what that's what's driving the stock higher. The stock has done really well. It's up some fifteen percent this year in a flat market. It's up one hundred fifty percent the last five years in a you know nowhere market. The uh, cosmetics division of Tupperware side, I think most people just associate it with the the basic business, sort of you know keeping food fresh. So mm-hmm. let's just wrap up with a tip on how to keep things fresh, and it doesn't have to involve Tupperware. Jason, do you have a freshness tip for our <laughs> listeners? Role play. <laughs> all right, we're all married here, Joe. You're getting ready to get married, right? I'm taking notes, okay. Jeff. I have a couple. Okay, I, I cheated. I went to my wife. A local DC actress. That's uh, that's cheating, but that's smart <laughs> who, cheating. Who, it turns out she also does some things around the house. I didn't didn't even realize. All right, what do you got? <laughs> Her first tip: run a one third to one half cup of white vinegar through your dishwasher. When the dishwasher is empty, it'll keep the dishwasher smelling fresh. Okay, so write that down. Baking soda in the fridge. Everyone knows this. Sure, but change it every two months and dump the old box down the sink. It'll keep the sink fresh. Wow. Did you know that? Wow. Wow. Last one, my favorite. Uh, Put lavender sachets in the dryer with your bed sheets to make them smell like a field in Provence. I had no idea that's that's what I was Back to lying down into every so, night. So not not to get too personal, but your your bed smells like a field in Provence? What's a sachet? It, I guess it does. What I had never thought that was like a move. You sachet into the yeah, room. Yeah, what's a what's a it's lavender? A small a small little package. Okay. Oh. All right. Joe, what do you got? Top I'm going that. to the complete opposite end of the spectrum from married life to bachelorhood. <laughs> so I have, you know, I don't do a lot of laundry. I don't really have time for it. So I pretty much wear the same clothes all the time. I've worn these jeans. Well, let's not worry about that. But let's the, not worry about that. The, the tip here is that you hang your pants upside down from the bottom of the pants in the closet. And when you do that, it helps take out the wrinkles a little bit because the greater weight's at the top Does of your pants. Does it take out the smell? Apparently no, not. that's what the breeze say, is man. for. Smell or wrinkles? Which one? It's yeah. just one freshness tip. It's not multiple. I have right. another bachelor one for you. When you open a bag of chips, eat the whole thing. It's the only way to guarantee they're all fresh. <laughs> Joe Mager, Jeff Fisher, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Two days left in the voting for the 2011 Podcast Awards. Please go to podcastawards.com. That's podcastawards.com. Vote early, vote often. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.